Welcome to Topple Uncaged. I'm Steve Topple and you're locked on to the UK's hottest politics and music podcast. Each week I bring you the rawest takes on the big stories making the news, always joined by a very special guest. Then I pleasure your mind, body and soul with the freshest, most banging international music going. What's up, everyone? I am Steve Topple. It is Sunday, the 4th of August, and that can only mean one thing. It's this week's edition of Topple Uncaged. Oh, I was a bit excited when Audrey from Twitter suggested this track as the introduction for this week's show. It is Tool with Enema. I hadn't heard this before, but my goodness, isn't it apt? Thank you, Audrey. Yes. The world is going to hell in a handcart, and as Tool say, we need to flush it all away. I mean, where to begin? Of course, we had the Brecon and Radnor Shire constituency by-election this week, which saw the Lib Dems sweep to victory. And as my colleague Ed Sykes summed up in an article, the centrist piling on Jeremy Corbyn, accusing him of having a monumental defeat. Um, Labour hadn't held that seat since 1979, and the by-election was always going to be a two-horse race between the Tories and the Lib Dems, but I think it says something that people have very, very short memories, because, of course, the Lib Dems are in coalition with the Tories and inflicted some of the most devastating cuts under the guise of austerity this country has seen since the 1980s. I mean, why are people voting the Lib Dems back in? Um, yes, we are back to Brexit again and that brings me on to the next catastrophe of the week. Yes, former Goldman Sachs executive and one of the many men behind the disaster capitalist takeover of the former USSR after the regime fell. Our very own Bank of England governor, governor, Mark Carney coming out and warning about the profound threat to the UK economy in the face of a no-deal Brexit. Obviously, this is, of course, Mark Carney striking out immediately against Boris Johnson setting out his stall as BOE governor. But for me, this tassel between one of the UK's most senior financial advisors and the Prime Minister sums up Brexit altogether, really. I mean, who do we believe? We never knew who was telling the truth on Brexit. It was very, very difficult to get accurate information out. And this chaos continues. I mean, do you believe the crony corporatist capitalist Mark Carney? Or do you believe the crony corporatist capitalist Boris Johnson? Both these men are not to be trusted, so once again the public are left in a state of dismay. But does it really matter? Nope, because we'll be dragged down whatever path these corporatist capitalists want to take us anyway. 
speaking of being dragged down the path, I'm just going to give a shout out to the wonderful Chris Williamson MP, who is now having to take legal action by the looks of it against the Labour Party. Because they don't seem to be following due process with the investigation into claims of his anti-Semitism. Corbyn's had piles on this week, and so has Chris Williamson. So much solidarity to you, Chris. But of course, if you feel we are stuck between a corporatist rock and a corporatist hard place, then don't worry, John McDonnell piled in with some good news on Saturday the 3rd of August. Hmm, probably why the smear campaign against Corbyn's it being upped in ante. John McDonnell tweeted that today I've announced the next Labour government will launch a public inquiry into Britain's financial industry. We will root out immoral and unlawful practices and ensure finance serves the wider economy. Will Boris Johnson support the inquiry? None. After everything I've just said, no, John, I don't think he will. But yes, this is excellent from Labour on the financial sector in the UK, one of the most nefarious and notorious industries on the planet. Good bloody stuff. And I want to finish as I started with the world going to hell in a handcart, and we had the chaos at Whaley Bridge where a dam was looking like it was going to collapse. As I'm going to record this, more rain is forecast. But this ties in nicely with me linking back to Mark Carney and Boris Johnson again. Boris Johnson, after saying nothing about the impending doom in Whaley Bridge, finally decided to visit visit the site on Friday, the 2nd of August. Um, yes, very interesting. You had Egwina Curry come out and saying what a, what a potential catastrophe catastrophe it was. And all in all, I saw very few media reports actually linking it to climate change. Why does Mark Carney come into this? Because he also came out this week and said that capitalism can save us from climate change. What? Um, I think we find it's capitalism which is causing this existential threat to our climate and our ecological systems in the first place. Mark... Most notably defined by fossil fuel supporting Tories jumping around, kicking and screaming about Whaley Bridge. These people's hypocrisy knows no bounds, and they need to be held to account. Speaking of holding people to account, and on another serious note, I want to read out a tweet thread from my editor-in-chief, Kerry Ann Mendoza, about what is happening at the Canary and how you can get involved to support us. In short, Rachel Riley tweeted yesterday... Bye bye birdie. Hyperpartisan fake news site The Canary is on its last legs. This is huge. Congratulations to everyone fighting for truth and decency. Proof that lying and hate mongering doesn't pay once it's exposed. Well done, hashtag stop funding fake news. Keep it up. So this is Carrie Ann's response and I think it is very important and I would urge people to listen and support us where you can. Kerry Ann said on Twitter, The future of the canary, a thread. This is what censorship looks like under capitalism. This is what censorship looks like under capitalism. We're NewsGuard trust marked. We're independently regulated. We tell you who funds us and how we share that income. We're open and accountable when we make mistakes. Nevertheless, the dogpiling of centrists and apartheid apologists isn't about our mistakes, it's about our success. 
It's about us refusing to be bullied into silence. And so they began a concerted campaign to target our advertising income. We were told the truth didn't matter to advertisers. This is why they didn't challenge the factual accuracy of our stories. Which they could do. We're regulated. They didn't want to deal in truth. They knew a sock puppet account and helpful smears from corporate journalists would do the job. That's how easy it was. And wrong. So, we had some big conversations about what we wanted our future to look like and how we would get there. And we made some terrifying and exciting decisions. One, the canary is leaving the gig economy. We're creating a smaller newsroom of staff writers with fixed salaries. Two, we're saying we're campaigning journalists. Watch this space for campaigns. We want our team and readers to deliver real-world change. Three, we're asking you to help us. We knew that we'd be targeted for our work, and we've taken each smear and used it to get better at what we do. We have become an organisation people depend on, and our professionalism is no longer in doubt to anyone who's followed that journey. I'm so proud of our little bird. It is not within my comfort zone to ask for help. Choosing to be vulnerable and open about the censorship campaign against us took time. But the truth is, we can only survive as a professional news organisation that pays its staff a living wage if readers who can, pay. And so we are asking, please help us reach our target of a thousand new subscribers in six months. If you do, you'll have personally thwarted attempts to shut us down. You will have saved a news organisation from being censored out of existence. Thank you. I have nothing more to add to that. Thank you, Kerry ann for that excellent tweet thread. And link will be in the show notes to how you can support the Canary. So please, please, please go and join us now. Soaring above this week's top stories, I'm free flying with... My guest on today's podcast is a man of many skills. I need to take a deep breath before I say this because he is an author, a playwright, a journalist, a campaigner, a community organiser and an advocate as well for many, many issues. But not least of all, he is, above all of that actually, a lovely human being. He is one of the most recognisable faces in campaigning in this country and he is also a very, 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 very dear friend of mine. I've known him for so many years now and we've worked together on quite a few things. It is a pleasure to welcome him back to the Top Along Cage podcast to talk about an issue which this time he's stretching slightly further afield, but is an issue which I think has massive ramifications generally to us as a society. It is a pleasure to welcome back again onto the podcast the fantastic Ray Wolford. Ray, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. It's, it was always lovely to speak to you. We don't, we don't get to speak enough, actually. I think the problem is, Steve, you always give me such blinding introductions that I'm left almost <laughs> speechless for a fortnight. I, I get that a lot, actually. People always say to me, oh, I did with this one. Do you know what Loki said to me, actually? Loki, the rapper Loki, who's been on the podcast several times, he said to me, I will have to have you on stage to introduce me sometime because your, your introductions are, they're, um, they're, they're, they're almost, they're Shakespearean, Shakespearean <laughs> introductions on the Top of Cage podcast. So, Without doubt, mate. Without doubt, <laughs> bro. Yes, Shakespeare from South London. Um, Ray, look, let's get down to business. It's a pleasure to have you on as always um we're here to talk about a very very important issue um just briefly this is obviously surrounding 
This is Razin Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe. Um, listeners will probably be well aware of Nazanin and her family's stories. So I'm not going to get too much into the detail of that, but long the short of it is she has been imprisoned in Iran for three years on trumped-up espionage charges, which most people consider a load of nonsense. Um, in June, she was sentenced to five years, and at the centre of all this is a certain prime minister of ours whose comments to the Home Affairs, I'm sorry, Foreign Affairs Select Committee several years ago, many people believe just inflamed the situation and led her to be in the position she is in now. As I say, most people will be aware of Nazanin's story. If not, links will be in the show notes. But Ray, let's get down to business. You have started a campaign surrounding Nazanin and her husband and her children, obviously. Um, and it's got hashtags and you have a Twitter storm for the listeners at home. So what is your latest campaign all about surrounding Nazanin? Well, the, the tragedy for this, and I think we need to sort of, you know, look back to a certain extent that Nazanin three years, um, three years ago, three and a half years ago, was arrested at Tehran Airport after a routine family visit to visit her parents with her small child in Tehran. And then she was arrested by the state uh, under what they call this official secrets, which means her charges have never been known to the general public. Boris Johnson, uh, Jeremy Hunt uh, have and now, of course, Dominic Ramp, R- 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 Rab have been our home secretaries in responsible for her well-being. And the, the tragedy, the most strange thing about the story was about uh, a month ago, uh, Richard Ratcliffe was holding a hunger strike um, in union with his wife in Tehran at the Iran embassy in London. And I went along and met Richard and I was quite moved by what a humble, inspiring man he was. He was almost like the Pope, because people were coming from all over the world to queue up and take homage to this man that only wanted his wife and daughter to be released. And why this story sort of touched to me was that he had no support. There's no civil rights, human rights organizations backing him. There's no union support. This is an ordinary family. He is an ordinary white collar worker. Uh, uh, Nazanin uh, is a charity worker. They have low income. They do what they do for the community. And in the life and the world we live today, we all have family members that live abroad. We all have loved ones which may be of dual nationality. And this story could be any one of us that goes abroad and gets caught up in international politics. And we now have the oil tanker crisis. We have Trump, you know, drumming the, the, the drums of war in Iran. And in the middle of this is a wonderful woman, a humble husband and a five year old child. And just think that this child and if you have a child, you have a child yourself that you share with Nicola. And just imagine as a parent missing that child's first day at school, missing that child's first steps, missing that child's first words. And these these have been caught up in this. And the first order you believe of your government is to defend you and protect you when you are in a times of crisis. And what blew me away and why we're we're launching this, we've just launched this week uh, a new campaign, is that we discovered that the government has no duty under care in international law to protect British citizens abroad. And today there's 2,000 British citizens in jails around the world, 1,000 of which are in jail without charge. And so we've just launched British Rights Abroad Group. And there's a petition which launched on Monday of this week on change.uk. 
And already over 200,000 people have signed that petition, which is extraordinary, demanding that the British government give rights and protection to all British citizens abroad, because we all presume that in law we would be protected. I have to, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you. Yeah, I did presume. Absolutely. I, it, it's an assumption you make um, with international law. That, well, <laughs> which I was about to mention the UN, but we all know about the UN reports into people with disabilities, disabled people's rights in this country, but that's another story. Um, that I, you, you do presume. You presume that this is just standards that um, um, UK citizens abroad would have the government representing them. Well, you have, obviously, you have the consulate, so you have well, consulate yeah. to a certain extent. But actually, sort of a, a legal duty of care does not exist. So there's now a petition under change.uk to change the law. And that has uh, come together by five families, including uh, Nazanin's family, who have come together as a joint group to raise awareness. And people can go to change.org and sign the petition. And there already is another petition which has 2.5 million people who have signed demanding that the British state secures the release of Nazanin. And it it doesn't seem to be uh, hitting the radar. We're getting huge amounts of national media press. And that's to a certain extent, is actually working against us because we don't have the the funds or the big organisations or even the unions or even the political parties backing us. The MPs at at, uh, the Iran embassy, 100 MPs went to Uh, share solidarity with Richard Ratcliffe at the embassy. A lot of them put photographs of that day on their websites and their Facebook page, etc. None of them have done any more or even bothered to sign either of the petitions. It's purely a photo opportunity. And so therefore what we're calling everybody, this could be anybody listening to this tune. This isn't, you know, whatever your politics, this is an ordinary woman. And and I do have issues with this. I really do worry that part of the, the, the abuse I get, uh, you know, being active in this campaign for Nazanin, and I don't do this for money, I do this out of principle about decent humanity and, and the need for a mother to have her child and the child to have its mother. We have, we're part of the European Union. We're part of the United Nations. We have the British state. Why is nobody forcing with all these trade deals that are going on? They're talking about, you know, the Iran uh, nuclear deal. Why is human rights, civil rights and this innocent woman being part of this negotiation? Why are we not saying in whose interest? How can it be good for Iran or the Muslim faith to be seen to be stopping a five-year-old girl from having her mother with her. And we can't even write to Nazim. So part of the campaigns we're doing at the moment, we've launched a, a children's postcard for Gabrielle campaign. Gabrielle is, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Nazanin is not allowed to get post. So what we're asking every school in the country, we want a million postcards to be sent to the Iranian president, Rouhani, via local embassies around the world. And we're asking people to get their children, their school children, to write love messages in support of Gabrielle and say to President Rouhani, please give Gabrielle's mummy home for Christmas. And we hope that if the adults have failed, if the politicians have failed, the children can melt the hearts of these political leaders. And we can use the kids to get 
Nazine back with her family. And of course, her family are UK citizens. They're EU citizens. So our political establishment and our civil rights activists and organizations, many of which get vast sums of money from the public, should be leading the campaign, not me from my bedroom in Deptford and other people from their studio flats in uh, Malaysia and Hong Kong and China and everywhere else where people are working on this campaign. We've got people who are paid to be doing this, not us, and it makes my blood boil. And then every first Thursday in every month, we have a Twitter storm between 8 and 9 p.m., Greenwich Mean Time, in which we ask everybody to share news, to share campaigns and updates and obviously sign petitions and get really, really active in the campaign. Because even if you are disabled, you can be sending an email, you can be sending a a Twitter, you can be sharing our feed. And we really need to be aware that Nazine is not some strange Iranian woman. She's British. She's from West Hampstead. And her daughter is British. It's a five-year-old girl. And we need to do the decent thing. And that's actually bring this family together. Ray, as always, brilliant, brilliant summing up of the situation there. I think you, you touched on an extremely, extremely important point in so much as, as you say, it's been getting an awful lot of media attention. MPs have been trotting out and, and taking photographs. But as you quite rightly point out, it ends there. And this is the prob- often the problem, as you enunciated as well, the fact that this campaign has got no big human rights organisations backing it, no big organisations are backing the Nazanine, um, no trade unions, etc., etc. While it may be getting um, swathes of coverage the press that doesn't actually mean jack shit in reality for anything anything to actually change and it's why actual grassroots movements on this and activism and ordinary people coming together to campaign for Nazanin and her family I think is so so important I mean so you've got you've got these two petitions people can sign um, you've got the postcard campaign um, and we have the Twitter storm and Twitter campaigning every first Thursday of the month all the details to those will be in the show notes to this program um, I mean, in the short term, Ray, briefly, what, what is the best outcome? Because, I, I, I mean, let's be brutally honest here. She's not going to be released overnight. It's, it's going to be a fairly drawn-out process to free Nazanin. But in the immediacy, what are you looking to do? Are you looking for some sort of movement from the government, specifically the Foreign Office on this? Is, are, we, are we trying to get movement there? Are you trying to get movement from the Iranian government? What's, what's your first priority within well, the, this? The priority is obviously the welfare of the family. And one of the, the things that the family really are terrified off that after three and a half years they would disappear off the radar with the oil tanker crisis and the, and the war crisis and Trump the, and, and Brexit and everything else, the family would disappear. And what I learned from my success in bringing uh, Hisham Alamishi out of yes. uh, the Houthis jail in Yemen, um, you know, through social media, through mobilizing activists around the world, I did the impossible. I bycast, I, 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 I bycast. Uh, cast uh, uh, governments and officials and I managed to negotiate bizarrely directly with the Houthis and got him out of jail in Yemen and we're trying to do the same but I mean Nazim's big fear is that uh, are being forgotten and one of the big things that we learned from Hisham when we got him out of jail was that because of the profile because of our activism around the world and we need to bring in more Muslim countries in supporting and lobbying for the free uh, uh, freedom of Nazim um, was that the profile ensured that he was safe. Had we not done the profile and the campaigning, he would have come out either a very broken man with mangled bodies or dead. 
And he was one of the few people to get out of Yemen alive and well. And that's a direct consequence of us keeping his name alive and reactivating his Twitter account. Because if you don't use your Twitter account for three months, they close it. And we made sure we hacked into his own Twitter account and kept it alive. And that ensured that, again, his voice was continuously heard relentlessly across the world, even though he was six foot under in a, in a, a, a hole in the ground for nearly two years. No, absolutely. Yeah, you're spot on. It is, it is keeping that person's face in the public eye, as you say, which which ensures their safety. Um, Ray, just to sum up then, I mean, people listening to this, obviously, as I say, there's there's petitions um, involved, there's, there's work on Twitter to be done. I mean, what is the first thing people listening to this podcast can do to help you with your campaigns? What's the first and best and quickest thing people can do? Please, please go to change.org and sign the British Rights Abroad Group's petition to give all Britons rights when they're in this terrible situation abroad and also sign the free Nazanin petition on change.org. And on the 14th of August, which is the day we remember the, the, uh, the death of Kath Duncan, who is a famous civil rights uh, writer, uh, activist in the 1930s. I've just written her book, The Last Queen of Scotland, about it. There's a new radical new civil rights uh, organization being launched, which is going to hopefully shame all these civil rights organizations which take our money and do sweet FA and we want to do the same the same way Reclaim Pride is about remembering people's heritage and their ideology and not business and profit we are doing the same with the civil rights movement and so on the 14th of August a major national and global organization would be launched uh, as, as tribute to Kath Duncan on her ethos about social justice for working class people around the world Love the sound of that. You can count me in immediately to that, Raymond. Thank you very much. Um, Ray, as always, it's a pleasure to speak to you. You are indefatigable, um, relentless and tireless in your work. And this, this latest campaign and campaigns, rather, of yours is a perfect example of this. Um, I will hope everyone gets involved who's listening. All the links to what Ray's been speaking about will be in the show notes. But for the minute, Ray, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. It's a pleasure to host you, as always. It's been my pleasure, mate, as always. Time for you guys to be uncaged because Twitter chirps back. Yes, it is that time of the week again. It is Twitter Chirps Back, the section where you set the news agenda. Very, 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 very simple. On a Thursday night, I put out a tweet asking you to comment on the week's top stories. You give me your comments, and I will read them out on this show. It is as simple as that. And yes, lots of interaction this week. Let's start at the top and work our way down. So, Benefits News. Hello, Benefits News. Fantastic campaigning organisation. They said, Amber Rudd's force for good is too much... (laughs) Um, I'll start that again. Amber Rudd's force for good is too much like the old film Hot Fuzz, the greater good in sinister tone. She is telling staff they need to get their message out over universal credit, but she is like a gramophone, run down, scratching, coming to the end of her needle. Run at! Yes, how accurate. Oh, uh, yes, they keep bashing this drum about universal credit. They keep trying to promote it as something it's clearly not. All the evidence is saying to the otherwise. But they, they keep on, they keep on. And yes, if you've seen the film Hot Fuzz, 
does, then you'll understand the greater good, the greater good. Yes, eerily echoing that benefits news. Spot on. Very, very good. Uh, Paula Peters. Hello, Paula Peters, fantastic disability rights activist. She says, Boris Johnson having his working majority cut to just one MP. He lost in Brecon last night, but people voted for the Fib Dems, who will jump into bed with the Tories anyway. Indeed, Paula, yes, I covered that in the introduction, but um, Ray Wolford, who you heard earlier on the show, he piped up and said, most alarming part, a staggering 39% voted for a Tory fraudster. Tories only lost because Greens and played Kumru did not run. This Tory poll rating and the fact Brexit voters moving back to the Tories could bring on general election with Teflon Boris on 39% nation gone nuts and give him majority. Absolutely unbelievable and just set a worrying concern off for me about what would happen in a general election. But we will wait and see, Ray. Thank you for your comment. My sound engineer, my man behind the booth, pause radio. He said, Mark Carney on Channel 4 News saying capitalism is the way out of climate change. <laughs> Um, Javid and the magic money tree that magically finds two billion out of nowhere while public services and support continues to be decimated. Yes, this is of course the news of now Chancellor <laughs> Sajid Javid and former Deutsches Bank executive by the way that he is. I wonder why he got the Chancellor's job in Boris Johnson's corporatist capitalist government. Anyway, Sajid Javid has unveiled two billion pounds of extra cash for no deal planning for Brexit. Yes, the magic money tree has been rattled again. Hmm, it seems to um, deposit coinage when it's suits the Tory party, doesn't it, but not to help four million children in poverty. Funny that. Meanwhile, speaking of Brexit chaos, um, go compare with the rainbow flag hashtag Corbyn Outrider um, um, at Making Happy Me. Hello, Making Happy Me. You haven't commented before. Lovely to have you join the Twitter Chirps back crew. Um, They said, the pound has fallen to the lowest in record due to Tories in power. Not the headline news on the BBC. No, this is the pound free falling against the dollar and the euro. Um, Warning of the impending chaos that could happen with a no-deal Brexit. Possibly, as I said at the start of the show, depending on who you believe, obviously. But yes, no, I saw the BBC didn't see fit to put this as headline news. Covering for the Tories much? Yes, I think they are. And speaking of covering for the Tories, back to Benefit News again. They organised a Twitter storm on uh, Thursday the 1st of August, which was hashtag Trouble with Tories. Um, Benefit News looked on one trending website and it said it was trending at number two. I had a look on my mobile device, as I usually work off desktop, and my mobile device said it was trending only at number 25. Yes, it had more tweets than hashtag. Hashtag Serengeti and hashtag broke. Hmm, how very odd. Twitter covering for the Conservative Party? I don't know. Algorithms are funny things. What with shadow banning and all sorts of other manipulation with hashtags and activist anomalies? Check out that hashtag. Hashtag activist anomalies. Anything is possible and it wouldn't surprise me that Twitter was pushing that hashtag down, down, down. But Twitter may try to censor us about the Tories, but it cannot censor this section. Twitter chirps back because that is it for this week, but it will be back next Thursday. Like I said, I put out a tweet on the Thursday night. You respond to it and I'll read out your questions on air. The BBC would not do that for you, would they? And here's this week's banger in Revolutionary Bird Song. I have a bit of the old and a bit of the new on today's edition of the Topolung Cage podcast. And I don't mean in terms of age. I mean that one of my guests is an old friend of this show who I'm delighted to be welcoming him back. And the new is a new guest to this show who I think is a stunning artist. And I'm really excited to have her on here. I'm equally excited to have them both on, actually, because they have recorded two fantastic tracks, both very different, but both over the same rhythm. And I, I heard this and I was just like, I have to get both of these people on because it is stunning. 
running. It is on point musically with what's going on at the minute. And both tracks also have very important points they make within the lyrics. It's really exciting to have them on. Um, I think they're fantastic. Like I say, old friend of the show, dancehall legend who broke out last year into fantastic conscious and spiritual territory with his stunning project, is what I have to call it, Holy Temple. Mr. Bay C is here. <laughs> yeah, give thanks for having me, bro. And also, again, new to the podcast, this artist is absolutely stunning in her own right. Hailing from Kenya, she has worked with some greats already in her career, including Gentleman and Queen Ifrika. It's a real treat to welcome her on for the first time, and I hope this is the first time of many. It's the incredible Trisha who's also on the podcast. Trisha, hello. Hello, Steve. How are you? <laughs> I'm all good. It's all good here in very hot, very sunny London, actually, I have to say, today. So it is a pleasure, though, to have you both on. I'm really excited because both your tracks are fantastic. So I want to get into them. Thank you. My pleasure. I want to get into them now because it is fantastic. So Culture Rock Records have released the Change Like Weather Rhythm. I mean, it's absolutely, I think it's brilliant. Yes. It's good, isn't it? It's absolutely, absolutely. Fresh. Fresh. Yes. 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 That is spot on. It basically it is fresh. It fits right into what's going on musically at the minute, especially exactly. Over, yeah, especially over here in the UK because that mm-hmm. sort of it's it's got it's dancehall, but it's got a real Afrobeat kind of carnival. Exactly. Yeah, like an Afropop. Yeah, exactly what it is. And up it's, to the time, up to the time. Yeah. It is bang on the money, Tricia, absolutely. And it it's, um, fits right into what's going on musically at the minute. I mean, it's a fantastic rhythm. I was immediately drawn to it. And um, other people who put their interpretations to it include Mr. Diamond and Denham Smith. But for me, um, and I, I don't want to sort of pick my favourites, but I have to say both both of your interpretations really, really stood out for me across this this stunning rhythm. But partly because they're they're both extremely, conscious in their own ways but also just your performances I mean basically I always love what you do I think you're absolutely fantastic and extremely unique um, and Trisha again because your vocal on it is stunning and lyrically as well with fire on it is it's thank absolutely you. brilliant I mean thank you so much my pleasure basically let's start with you I mean what what was your motivation behind your interpretation over the rhythm which was in my brain what, what what was your I mean I, I'll tell listeners what it's about um, it's obviously yeah. about the herb um, 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 smoking the weeds, but it, it's a lot deeper than that. Actually, what was your what was your motivation for doing something about cannabis over over that rhythm? Well, I mean, I, I judge a rhythm based on how many ideas it gives to me. If it gives me multiple ideas, it means that it's um, it's it's a good rhythm. And then the challenge for me is to choose what I think is the best of my options ideas. Um, so I had a few ideas with the rhythm. Um, the producer had specifically told me he wanted the bass voice, that recognizable bass voice. So I had a challenge where, um, you know, I, I don't like to put myself in any sonical box when I'm creating, but I understand that that's part of the brand identity. Um, so similarly with the rhythm, I felt like, yo, this rhythm can hit the streets, but what do I want to sing about that is relatable, both to the streets, but also to a conscious person? Um, and in the middle of Smoking a giant, I was like, that's it right there, you know? <laughs> um, Love it. <laughs> yeah, so basically, this, the song is just my thoughts at the moment, you know? It's, um, you know, it starts out talking about the lighter. It's a typical thing in a dance hall. Everybody's a smoker, but most times you, you end up go home with five lighters in your pocket because it's a thing that we do when we borrow a lighter and we never return it to the owner. 
So I start off just like I have my lighter, um, king bass, um, high like I'm in space, and it's just basically a typical marijuana song giving homage to the to that um, plant of wisdom. And then as I go down, I start to play around with the lyrical style to you know, talk about Epicon, which is Jamaica's first distillery, um, now that weed has been legalized. So I give them a shout out. Um, I talk about, you know, smoking in, in Milan with my, with my colleagues over there. So it's just really a typical song. And then the second verse, I kind of more talk about, you know, being a, a bit of a re- rebel. So I'm, I'm smoking in front of the courthouse. And if, you know, politicians fight about it, they're going to get voted out. Um, but it's just a typical street song from a weed man point of view. And, you know, I keep it fresh and young and the rhythm is already fresh so i think the song came up pretty nice you know i think it's banging i, I love it i think it's great and it's su- such an important topic I at love the minute. It. It, it, yeah it's great and it it has real resonance in the uk at the minute because we're in we're in such this battle over um cannabis and the legalization at the minute because they've they've made it legal for medicinal purposes in certain forms and then not everybody who's ill and needs it is getting access to it it's a, it's a real it's a real hot topic in this country right. at the minute so i think i think at not least is it going to resonate well in the uk but obviously obviously around the world as well it is it's fantastic i i love it to bitch and trisha equally i love yours to bits as well so your interpretation was money Thank don't you. mean a thing um it's exactly. brilliant and brilliant lyrically as well it's great it's it's absolutely um ingenious piece of work um again so what was the motivation for you to i mean essentially i as a political journalist um with one hat on which i have um i want to say it's an anti-capitalist <laughs> song really isn't it um, it's kind of uh... yes, yes, yes. Um, I actually have to second uh, Basie and what he said. It resonates a lot with me when I listen to an instrumental. The first thing I listen to is the sounds, you know. And I heard this that the, the African, the knit, of course, and then the melodies, and then the 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 lyrics just came to me automatically, you know, without me even wanting to say, you know, all the money in the world. That's it. It just it just came automatically you know and then at the same time I was thinking because it was something that I was going through besides the topic of money itself you know it's which is the obvious thing it's not only about money it's also about the fact that we we need to live our lives happily you know we need to be careful about the choices that we make in our lives you know like how we invest our time you know people say time is money right so you don't want to waste you don't want to waste your time in putting it into things that are not going to benefit you in the long run. So it's not even only about the money, but it's also about how we, how we do what we're doing, what we're choosing to do with ourselves, who we're putting our time into, you know, who we're t- trying to impress, why we're trying to impress them, you know. And in the long run, you may impress someone with your money, for for example, but. It's, it's not enough. It's not sufficient enough, you know. We need to think about in the long term, what is it doing to us, you know. So uh, it was actually, it was supposed to be actually simple. I know people may take it a bit serious, but it's, I said it in a fun way so people don't think that I'm taking it too serious. But it's true. It is, unfortunately, it's, it's true, you know. Money cannot buy you. It can buy you life. It can buy you happiness, but for a very, very short time, you know. At least that's my interpretation. 
the revival movement and since it's come about it, it's turned um roots into something very eclectic really i mean if you look at especially what the likes of um say protege and and his family are doing um it's extremely yeah. eclectic musical and basically yourself as well yeah. actually with holy temple really eclectic mix mix of styles in the in those terms with the, the movement breaking out into so many different genres and experimental styles as well do you think Ooh. rhythms are still as important as they were trisha do you think they still have the the place that they once had in the the reggae and the dancehall sort of scene? Yes, I, I mean, to answer your, your message about it being changing, I think that people are just trying to find different ways of delivering messages because, you know, it's been done a long time, you know, way before, way before. So I, I think the reason why it's that changing is because people just want to interpret it the way they feel, you know, the way they feel they can deliver it best because you cannot you cannot imitate you know people from the past you can't do that but you can you can keep the torch moving you know you can pass it on and people interpret it the way they feel at that moment so i guess that's why it's and anyway the music is changing you know the messages are still the same but the music is changing but it still resonates with the times i feel like that's why it is like that but i feel like the rhythms can still continue to touch people just like the way they did back in the day no i think i think that's fairly fairly spot on actually and yeah it's a brilliant assessment of the situation actually because you're right i chat to so many artists from the revival mm -hmm. movement who say that well mm -hmm. we're kind of mixing up these styles some of it based on our own taste but also because we want to try and get the message out to as many people as possible exactly and by yeah, diversifying, yeah. I mean, I had a brilliant um, artist called Black Hero on. Um, uh, it was, he's great, isn't he? He's absolutely amazing. And I had him on. He um, is amazing, yeah. Talking about the Immortal Stepper. I mean, it's this, I, I said in my review of it, I, I kind of compared it to what Prince was doing back in the day um, with Purple Rain, that in terms of that, it was so experimental. I was just listening to it and my mind was blown away. Mm -hmm. But as you rightly point out, Tricia, the message was still got across. Um, yeah. and, and the sort of eclecticism of the music really made me listen. I mean, basically, what, you, what are your thoughts on rhythms? I mean, especially with your dancehall background where rhythms are, again, extremely important. I mean, are, are, do we have this relevance for them still or do you think the eclecticism is just is just going to now take over the the whole revival movement what are your thoughts well i think um from my observation um everything is a cycle so i think that um no and and for us in jamaica we we tend to um follow a lot so if juggling or rhythm is the art of the day then you'll have you know a slew of rhythms um, and then if it changes to single-driven um, format or the single-driven model, then you find that that's what the masses start to do. Um, so I think there's a space for both of them, but it, it, the pendulum will swing which one is more prevalent. Um, I think another factor to, to consider from my side, from my looking on as a producer as well, wearing a producer hat, Financially, it's more viable to do a single than a juggling because if you have, for Culture Rock, I'm sure he really has to market five songs, you know, even though it's one project, but he has to, you know, design an artwork for Trisha, design an artwork for me, design an artwork for, you know, promo and boost and everything. So your pricing is more exponential in a juggling uh, rhythm scenario than a single. So this is why also a single um, approach 
is more it, it looks more attractive now because i mean you could take all that money and put in one song and market the hell out of that one song as opposed to spread it across uh, multiple trucks it's it's been an absolute joy speaking to you um real pleasure to have you on for the time being i'm so humbled to have basie and trisha on the podcast guys thank you so much for coming on thank you as well thank you so much how great were Basie and Trisha? It's fascinating hearing how two artists working with the same instrumental track put their own stamp on things and give completely different interpretations of very similar music. Absolutely brilliant. I love chatting to them. They have such a great rapport after working together. It was really, really enjoyable to do. So here are their two tracks with a bit of a topple mashup. It is Basie with Inner My Brain and Trisha with Money Don't Mean A Thing, both over the Culture Rock Records Change Like Weather Rhythm. Here's Basie and Trisha. I grade a kick in a me brain, brain. I like me the pony playing, playing. Had the kush that a kick in a me brain, brain. Archie have the best strain, strain. Yo, yo, they my ass when me get it from. One draw for me split, make you high like a pelican. If I yard, then a epican. And if me fly out, me have to get the gram. Anywhere me land, ask Vito when me demi land. If the herbs will be smoke and a limited edition. Big split in a me hand, very long. Make me high like the wheel of fairy sand. High grade a kick in a me brain, brain. High like me the pony blame, blame. And the kush that a kick in a me brain, brain. Archie of the best strain, strain, yo, yo. Yeah, 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 yo. Twindy, 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 cousin. Ahoo! Culture rock, Trisha. Enough uh. of them I spend way too much money for things that they really don't need, no. Trisha, tell them, say, all the money in the world, money in the world. Money made by you, wife. Money made by you, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Money made by you, a calf. You drive down the road in a hype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happiness, you can't find it. Living the illusion, the system design, yeah. So you check yourself, you better stop. Or you go ahead and make a big belly. For All the money in the world. Money in the world don't mean nothing. Don't mean nothing. Spend a fortune from the high life Money them a waste Not for the things them a buy now have taste Just to impress Some of them them And that's it. Series 2, episode 13 of Top Uncaged is done. I'd like to thank my fantastic guests this week. The incredible Ray Wolford. Follow him on Twitter. It's at Ray Wolford. The sensational Basie. Follow him on Twitter. It's at Basie Music. And the incredible Trisha. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Trisha underscore music. As always, behind the scenes, thank you to the love of my life, the gorgeous Nicola Jeffrey. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Nicola C. Jeffrey. My man behind the booth, sound engineer, Gav Pauls. Follow him on Twitter. It's at Pauls with the Z Radio. And my in-house singer, it's Ray Star Music. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Ray underscore Scar 113. Thank you to the Canary for uncaging me. I will see you next week. Uncaged.